You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. So God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And Christ Jesus has become for us, this is what the scripture says, Christ Jesus has become for us the wisdom from God that is righteousness, holiness, and redemption. So if we're going to boast, we only boast in the Lord. The series of messages we've been, we've been after for these last six weeks, it comes out of my own deep prayer for God's wisdom. First, it was God's wisdom to, to invade me, and then I just began to pray for God's wisdom to invade us. And so we went searching through the scripture, and we listened to Solomon's prayer and Job's revelation, and we heard Solomon talk about the character of wisdom, and we talked about Jesus on wisdom and Paul on wisdom, and today we're talking about James on wisdom. And we learned from Paul, the man who wrote most of our theology, that God uses the foolishness of this world to confound the wise and that if we have any hope of understanding God's ways, we will need a whole other way of thinking. So he calls us, Paul calls on us to be transformed at the the level of our brains. He, he, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test what, is, what, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is what Paul told the Romans. And then he claims this promise and a prophetic word over those who go after that kind of transformation. He, he tells the Corinthians, who is known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have, listen, present tense, have the mind of Christ which is a prophetic word over us who follow him. If we will pursue the transformation of our minds, we can have the mind of Christ. What a promise. So I need to ask you, do you want the mind of Christ? Do you want it? Do you want to be profoundly aware of his presence and touch with him at the deepest possible level? Do you want to have some inkling of God's thoughts so you can receive his wisdom, live as close to his heart as humanly possible. Do you want the mind of Christ? Because there's some great news here, friends. There's some great news. Not only does Paul speak that that prophetic promise over us, but James teaches us how to get it. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to James chapter 1. That's where we'll start. We'll be in James 1 and then We'll flip over to James 3. As we always say, the best way to engage the message is with your Bible, something to write with, something to write on. So get your Bible out, turn to James 1, verse 5. And then after you get up to James 1, verse 5, just let's read this together. Go. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Isn't that brilliant in its simplicity? It's brilliant. If you want wisdom, just ask. Just ask for it. 
That's it. If you're screwing up every time you open your mouth. Just me. Just me. You're welcome to listen in. If you don't understand how to navigate this life and your relationships and this world, if you don't understand what, how to live your own call out, how to live out your own purposes, then ask God to give you the mind of Christ, to give you his wisdom and his perspective. It's that simple. Just ask. But here's the thing. Be careful what you ask for because you might get it. That kind of brings us back to where we were when we were looking at Nick, Nick Saint's house. How far are you willing to go? James says if you ask, you need to believe. Verse 6, he says this, and don't doubt. Have some faith in what God actually gives because it won't do to ask and then try to define what you want God to give you. Don't ask and then tell God what you think he needs to know. That's not how wisdom works. How many of you have gone to someone, you've got a problem you don't know what to do with, you ask for their wisdom, they give it to you, you walk away and you say to yourself, I ain't doing that. <laughs> What's that old line? Don't, don't tell, if you want to make God laugh, don't tell him your plans. Or sorry, no, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. That's it. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. That's, the kind of, that's, that's what James' point is here. It's if, you, if you ask for wisdom, don't then try to tell God what wisdom looks like. Be ready to receive what God gives with an open hand, even if it looks like foolishness to the world. So in the video, you got that amazing um, image of that waterfall. That thing was huge. It's the biggest one I've ever seen outside Niagara Falls. For scale, I want you to look at the people in the picture. Do you see them? Right dead center in that little, that little landing there. You could walk all the way down. This is like, I mean, it's, this thing is huge. I was standing on one of those landings, the one on this side. It was right next to the water. You can see it sort of if you look. Um, and I was taking in the power of it, looking up at this huge waterfall all the, it was just in the in the roar of it as it went past me listening to that roar and it occurred to me while i was standing there watching this huge thing it, that this this water it never stops coming it never there's not like a, oh it's time to go home somebody turn the spigot off that doesn't happen it never loses its power never reduces down to a drip if you were to stand underneath it at the bottom in that pool at the very bottom if you didn't if you didn't let it wash you on out if you tried to stand under that 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 water the sheer pressure would surely kill you your only hope of surviving the kind of pressure in that pool under that waterfall would be to let the water move you on from the pool into the flow of the water, the river. So I was standing there taking all this in, and I thought, this is the grace and love of God. <laughs> and also his wisdom, it just keeps coming and keeps coming. It never reduces down to a drip. And it's been going from age to age. And if we were to just stand beneath it, somehow try to receive it without letting it move us into the flow of God's plan, it would kill us. 
It only works when we let it not just wash over us, but wash us into the flow of his purposes. So somehow this feels to me like what James is saying right here in chapter one, verse five. He's telling us if we're gonna ask for wisdom, we need to be ready to receive what he gives and let it move us into the flow of his will. Look at verse five again and we'll read on through to verse eight. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It just comes and comes and comes. It will be given to you, but if you ask, You need to believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed about by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. James does not pull punches. Next to that passage, in fact, I've written in my margin, doubt is not a sin so much as a shame. You should write that down. Doubt is not a sin so much as a shame. Because listen, doubt leaves us standing under the pressure of God's gift without letting us move into the flow of them. I, need to, I want to say that again. I want you to hear this. Doubt leaves us standing under the pressure of God's gifts without letting us move into the flow of them. So James wants us to hear in this warning that if we want wisdom, we just have to ask. But if we ask, we need to be willing to go where God leads us. In other words, be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. And it might not feel very comfortable or familiar. But what I hear James asking of us, and I hear Paul and Jesus said the same thing. Ultimately, ultimately, we've got to have a teachable spirit. This is how wisdom gets in. We talked about this several times over this series. Wisdom and humility are deeply intertwined. It, 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 through, through a spirit of humility with a hunger for spiritual maturity, without that kind of teachable, moldable spirit, we can know a lot of stuff, but wisdom isn't possible. You're going to make bad choices. So James takes that idea what it means to have a teachable spirit, and he unpacks it in chapter three. He literally begins with teachers. He says, uh, verses one and two, chapter three, verses one and two, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And then he just, he offers this thing which is a kind of grace. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Anybody who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. What he knows is, you're going to mess up. What James is really saying here is a bold word. He's saying, listen, if if you can't stand the heat, you might not want to be in the kitchen. Because teaching, preaching, being the one who bears responsibility for conveying the word of God to another human being. If you walk out into the jungle to tell somebody for the first time the name of Jesus Christ, you better know what you're doing. And if you stand up on a platform in Evans, Georgia, Carolyn Moore, you'd better know what you're doing. And because I know me, I'm really grateful for this line. We're all going to stumble at some point. We're accountable to God, but we also 
we also have to deal with the people around us. And so James slips something in here for the listener. He reminds us that the person up front is not perfect, nor are we. We all stumble in many ways. So I hear a call in this word of wisdom to carry grace toward those who lead. Because what comes with leadership is often the high expectation that the leader will always get it right, combined with a low commitment to grace. J. Kim has a book called Analog Church. The vision team and the staff team are reading it right now. It's a good book. There's a lot in there that will sound very familiar to you. It sounds a lot like Mosaic, but he says this. He says, he says we do not gift one another the allowance of being able to stumble, hesitate, and fall from time to time. We do not afford one another the grace of being helped back up to regather our thoughts, to reconsider our ideas, to re-engage the dialogue. And friends, I think this is a word we need to hear. Gracelessness is a mark of unwisdom. Gracelessness is a mark of unwisdom. A high expectation of another person or of a church paired with a low commitment to community will suck the grace right out. So where are you on that scale? Do you give the people around you, especially those who lead, the gift of, 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 of room to stumble every once in a while? I read a story just recently about a time when um, the band, U2, they were making their, um, their album called Passengers. And one of the tracks on that album has uh, Pavarotti singing, Pavarotti, you know, the great opera singer. And so he shows up to, to do his part when they're doing the recording and he's standing in the control room while they're still working on another song and, um, um, and, and he's watching them and they're, working on the song out there, and he sees them, they're like, you know, okay, so maybe we should put the chorus here twice, or, or no, no, maybe we should repeat this section over here, and he's, he's kind of watching them create the song as they go, and he, and he finally says, he just kind of exclaims, you're making this up. It was like the first time Pavarotti, whose operas are always handed to him in perfect form, it's the first time he realized that, that songs actually have a beginning point. <laughs> they don't come fully formed. At some point, they are created. And so this guy telling this story, Brian Eno is his name, said, I thought, if he is surprised by that, how much more would other people be surprised by this notion that things are born messily? They don't come out perfectly formed with charisma. They start out, they've got blood on them, You've, you've got to clean them up, surround them with love and attention until they can stand on their own. And everything, I have said this so many times in the, in the 18 plus years we've been here together, that everything costs more and takes longer than you think. So the ministry we just came from, they've been there for 15 years and they feel like they are just now at the place where they can talk about a, a discipleship system. I know here, we've just been here 18 years, we're, we're still messy. I think community always is gonna be messy. 
I read that story about Pavarotti, this guy's commentary, and I thought, we all need more of that revelation and more of that spirit to understand that we are all in process, that people, leaders, everybody, ministries, lives, calls, are not born fully formed. And so we hang on to each other way past good sense, quick to, to, to listen, slow to anger, giving grace even when grace isn't the expectation or even the hope because, listen to me, nothing great is created in the absence of grace. Nothing great is created in the absence of grace. So grace is not weakness, it's wisdom. James said, be careful what you ask for. You might get it. Wisdom doesn't come with all the answers, but wisdom actually produces in us a teachable spirit, thick skin, a willingness to hang on past good sense. This is where James begins in his unpacking of wisdom, and then he goes from preaching to meddling, as if he hasn't already. I'm just reporting what's here, folks. Look at verse three, chapter three, verse three. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, he says. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue (laughs) is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, the world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Tell us what you really think, James. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth, praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can, salt, uh, uh, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James doesn't even have to say this. We already know this. Ultimately, we are known or not as wise by the rudder in our mouths. It's what we let out of the gate that betrays us. And the fact is, we want to blame it on our mouths, but it's, you know, you get it, right? (laughs) That this is connected to this. (laughs) A tongue produces what it's given. N.T. Wright says, the tongue is the last bit of a human being to learn its lesson. (laughs) Which is to say this is always the last part of me to learn its lesson. I don't need anybody to tell me that. I already know it, you already know it. 
We know we're never so intelligent as when we keep our thoughts to ourselves and never so foolish as when we let it all tumble out, unchecked, unprayed over, undiscerned. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I don't know how to fix that for you or me, either one. I don't think James knows how to fix it either, except to describe in graphic detail the personal, here's the problem, he says, here's the problem. And then he describes in graphic detail the character of someone who, um, who has grace toward the world. He says, who's wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility, there it is, the humility that comes from wisdom. Humility really is wisdom lived out. Deeply connected. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and then my version has quotes around that word, is not really wisdom. It doesn't come down from heaven. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder, chaos, Chaos. I, I tell you, if you're looking for pockets of problems or, or, or pockets of unwisdom in your life, go looking for the places where the chaos exists. If there's drama, there ain't any wisdom there. There you find disorder and every evil practice. But wisdom that comes from heaven, this is verse 17, that kind of wisdom, the wisdom that comes from heaven, think that waterfall. It's pure peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial, and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reach, reap a harvest of righteousness. So, so James is trying to tell us here, if you find yourself without grace toward the world and the people who most aggravate you, that's not wisdom. Write this definition down. I think it comes from Ed Stetzer. Wisdom is being shaped by the Spirit of God, so that I look more like Christ. Wisdom is being shaped by the Spirit of God so that I look more like Christ. James says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. And then peace-loving, considerate, Submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. That's what wisdom looks like in a life. Wisdom is pure. That's about intention. Right intention, not just right behavior. Thank God for that. If I was judged only on my actions and not on my intentions, well... I mean, we, in the, in, the, in the Methodist tradition, in the Wesleyan stream, we, we actually believe in entire sanctification, that you can be made perfect in love in this life, but that does not mean that you will be made perfect in your actions in this life. It just means that your intentions are purified. So the person who is pure is, is, is able in the absence of information to assume another person's good intentions even as they exercise their own. I need more folks in my life who assume my good intentions and not my worst. 
Pure wisdom is built there, right there on that foundation of trust. Wisdom is peace-loving, which is not the same as trying to keep the peace. People who love peace honor the Prince of Peace by pursuing his heart for people. James tells us where we have selfishness, bitterness, unforgiveness, jealousy, unholy ambitions. Wisdom just don't, doesn't breathe there because wisdom does not produce chaos. Wisdom is considerate, which means other focus, considering the needs of others, caring, but not codependent. <laughs> Wisdom is submissive, which is really a form of humility. Submissiveness means I'm, I'm going to come underneath another person, and I will raise them up. So, um, you know, one of the, one of the classic a uh, conflict resolution model says that we come in and we try to figure out how to help another person to, to a higher place, not try to teach another person what they've done wrong. That's what submission, biblical submission lifts people up. Wisdom is full of mercy, quick to forgive, to empathize, to see what another person is going through. Wisdom lets people stumble every once in a while without holding it against them. Wisdom's full of good fruit. This one is huge. Because listen, wisdom without fruit, that's just information. Wisdom without fruit is your cable news channel. <laughs> the wisdom that comes from above will produce actual observable effects, like the capacity for showing grace in the lives of those around us. Wisdom is impartial non-judgmental and we do this we want to think that non-judgmental means i can't have an opinion about anybody's anything that's not what non-judgmental means <laughs> truth is truth S some people do things that are flat out wrong i can't stand in front of a murderer and say well can't judge him you know actually i can but impartiality means I don't have to, I don't feel, in, in most circumstances, I don't have to feel the need to call the game before it's played or to decide someone's value before it's time. Wisdom is sincere, which means that wise people mean what they say. Wisdom means it, but not just any it. Wisdom means Jesus, the values of Jesus, which which means being deeply committed to pursuing the mind of Christ. And wisdom is peacemaking, which is not just loving peace, but going after it. I love that James kind of begins this list, got pure and then peace loving at the beginning and then peacemaking at the end. This is what righteousness looks like. It's what Jesus did. He pursued peace all the way to earth, all the way Jesus pursued peace. You know that thing we just we said at the beginning. You know, why don't you why don't you just write a check and send it on? God did not just write a check and send it to us. He came. He came all the way down to you, all the way down to your level, all the way to you. He did not shrink back. He leaned in. And then all the way into your heart. He offers peace. So here's the life hack. You whose worlds are chaotic, 
you who feel like you just can't get a handle on anything these days, you who feel conflicted, if you want peace, pray for wisdom. That's the life hack. Jesus said as much on that hill when he taught the thousands. He said, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called the children of God. And at the end of his life, he told his followers, it's my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I'm not giving you like the world gives. This is not a band-aid. This is all the way through. And, And Paul told the Ephesians, Jesus is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Those warring sides. Sometimes it's between people and sometimes it's in us. Paul blesses the Philippians with this word, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let the peace of God guard your mind. I took on this series because I know what's happening to our brains right now. Enough trauma and enough technology and we can't put two intelligent thoughts together anymore. We can't think more than five minutes at a stretch. Enough trauma and enough technology and our decision-making skills go way down. And in this frenetic, anxious, technology-soaked world, our ability to think has been damaged. It's stealing your attention. It's stealing your peace. But there's a way out. (laughs) There's a way out, people. It seems so simple. It is so profound. At some point, you've got to sit before God and ask. Assume that at least in that one conversation, you're not the most intelligent one. And chances are, you really need to ask if in every single other conversation, you think you're the smartest one. I want the healing of your brain and I want the healing of my brain. I'm not willing to let COVID or technology or trauma or elections or anything else have my brain. I have said this to God countless times in the last few months. They don't get my brain. They don't get my brain. I can't love the Lord my God with all my mind if something else has my mind. They don't get it. And if you don't want them to get it either, then you need to pray and ask God for wisdom, ask for healing. Stand with me. When we ask God, when when I ask, when I stand up here and ask for you to change your posture, it's because I know There is an intricate connection between our intention and our willingness to move out of the passive posture we've had. 
So when I ask you, if you want to ask for wisdom, just, I mean, if you want wisdom, just ask. When, I'm, when I say that to you, what I'm asking you to do really seriously is to be sincere about that. Part of the sincerity thing that James talked about was, was actually change your posture. Give some, in, give some physical intention to your spiritual desire. You can come here and kneel or lay on the ground or do whatever works for you. You can, you can sit if sitting is best for you in order to, to focus. You can turn around and make your chair into an altar. You can put your hands in the air. You can come and ask and let, let me pray for you. Somehow, somehow, I'm just telling you, there is a connection between a change of posture and, and, and your, your heart level ability to hand over, to surrender, to surrender to God. So I'm inviting you to come. I'm inviting you to respond. And the whole response is this. If you want wisdom, ask. You just might get it. And oh my goodness, how much better your world would be if you just ask. So Lord Jesus, I'm praying for my people. I'm praying for my family, for my friends. I am praying for the community here at Mosaic Church. I'm not praying for the whole world right now. I'm just praying for the ones who are actually in this room right now, the people here in this room, that you would give us wisdom and that you would give us a courage to ask for wisdom. I realize, God, I can't even ask for them. I can't ask. I just know what I want, and I want it for every one of us. I want a better brand of decision. I want a better brain. I want a healed, whole, and healthy mind so that I can take on the very mind of Christ and do what you would have me do, even if it sends me to the ends of the earth or to the people who most aggravate me or into a situation I feel completely unprepared for. Lord, I want to go as far as you will take me and I know I know I can't get there unless you heal my brain I know I can't get there if I allow unholy unhealthy thoughts to keep washing over the decision maker in my body so come Lord Jesus come Holy Spirit give us what we ask for Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.